I can either try to pull myself out of this or I can just be as a miserable fuck and just hate my life and just want to die. And I think I just pulled that from somewhere in my own, my own self, just the strength to keep trying. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, aren't very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. We've been going strong since last July and I'm going to keep trying. Now, we are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everybody. Please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen, because there is so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. As always, I want to thank all of our suicide attempt survivors who have joined me on this podcast to share their stories so openly and courageously. And from everybody around the world who has supported this podcast by listening and letting other people know about it, whatever you've been doing to help us out, we really appreciate it. So thank you. Now, I know you've heard me say this a lot, but if you'd like to help us out even more and you listen on Apple Podcasts, rate review and subscribe or one of those and maybe do that right now it helps people find this podcast and i do believe there are a lot of people that would benefit from hearing these stories from these survivors today i am talking with scott scott lives in oregon and he is a suicide attempt survivor hey scott hey what's up not a lot how are you sean (laughs) i'm doing all right you know I was just editing another episode and I realized this week's one year. Seriously? I made it a year, man. It's what been do you hustle. think of that? Are you, <laughs> are you getting tired of it or is it? I could not be yeah. prouder. I don't know if that's the best word, but uh, I'm just super glad that I had an idea. I did it. And there are people who were like, yeah, I'll talk to I'm you. I'm sure glad you did, man. Like, I feel like it's not really something that's out there right now. And I found it and is. Honestly, one of the only things that I found helpful when I was there. Yeah, it's cool. Nice. Not an ego thing. Just like, huh, good. I'm glad. Because I think we all we all try to just do something that right. matters, you know? We're just trying to do stuff like that. So, yeah. And so you're up in Oregon, right? Moved up here, yeah. let's see, maybe maybe four months ago after my divorce. Yeah, I, I love it. The Willamette Valley is the best place I've ever lived. I was here. living down in Medford, Oregon. I took a job up there after I finished some schooling. Two weeks after I moved there with my wife, a wildfire just plowed through the town and just wiped out everything. So, mm. you know, I was living in an RV out there for probably three or four months. And then I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm tired of this. <laughs> going to go back to where I, where I like being. So it's been a, wow. 2020 yeah. was a weird year. So. so why do you listen to the podcast? I find it interesting. Um, I think that it's neat just meeting all these people who come from like completely different walks of life but for whatever reason are just you know have the same sort of response to to the life that they're living where they just get to the point where they're they're ready to check out i guess i just 
I think it's insightful. I think it's heartwarming to just hear all these stories from people who are struggling. And I think I learned things from them. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking here, yeah, then I believe you have attempted suicide at least once. Several times, actually. I, I guess it depends on how you define it. But It's how you define it, man, not me. Okay. First time was, uh, uh, I come from a super Mormon background. So the first time I ever tried to do it was um, uh, when I was serving an LDS mission in mm. the Czech Republic. It's a little hard to describe in brevity the situation that I was in, but I just felt extremely trapped. I felt like I was living in hell and there was nowhere to go. Uh, I couldn't go home because the people around me, my friends and family, I felt like I was basically dead to them if I did that. If I made the decision to just leave the church and decide that wasn't for me and I didn't want to do that. The life I was living was just, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to tell people to do things they didn't want to do. I, everybody there hated me. It was just miserable. So while I was there, you know, I, I, I took a lot of, a lot of pills. Um, I, I first tried to convince myself to jump out of my apartment window. I couldn't do it. You know, at that point, after I took the pills, people stepped in and tried to get me medicated and I ended up going home. That was the first attempt. When was that? That was when I was uh, 20, 20 years old. So I'm 32 now, so 12 years ago. In Czech Republic? Yeah. As a mission or missionary, I guess you'd say, right? Yeah, as a missionary, yeah. I am going to make some assumptions, but I could be way off here. I assume you're not a part of the Mormon culture anymore. No, not at all. I left uh, probably about 10 years ago, shortly afterward. Probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. Right, so from what I've heard of any church, but maybe that one more than most everything's there every yes. connection every friend every 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 very much so and so you're leaving it all not to be overly dramatic here but if anything it's impossible to summarize like you said what the actual experience was it sounds like when you're leaving it's just kind of a death i don't know if that's a weird way to put it, it feels like that to me from hearing it no like that's it's like uh like imagine being in a village or a tribe and just deciding I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm just going to go out into the forest and just make, make it on my own. You know, that's basically what you're saying because nobody's going to follow you. Nobody's going to give you support. Um, Did anybody help you in any way, even sort of a quiet message here and there? Sort of don't tell mom or don't tell Chuck or Linda. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm uh, making up names here. <laughs> I, I had supportive friends from high school who sort of followed me and provide some support. I'm not in very good contact with them anymore, but yeah, they, they helped me. I reached out to them during that time. And, you know, I, I guess I was surprised, like once I made that decision, that there are actually people who showed up for me. And there are people out there, I would imagine, especially with social media, allowing people to find each other more easily. Are there groups that were like, hey, we, we've gone through that. Reach out, join us. We can give you, if nothing else, some support. Or was that not available or you didn't look? I think I didn't look. I think I was too young. I think I didn't know where to. And really, if we're talking about like 2000, what is it, eight or nine? Social media was new then. Yeah. When you said you were in, I think you said the word hell. Yeah, I would describe it that way. Right. I mean, if you're in hell, I think it makes complete logical sense to want to leave that place. I'm always thinking about why some people try and some don't. And this is more of an open conversation. Some people would be in that situation. I'm tr- you can see I'm trying to find my words carefully here uh-huh. and be miserable as shit beyond, but not try to end their lives. Some people will say, I'm done, I'm out. And so for you, I mean, is there any, I guess my point, my, my question really is, is, was there other stuff going on with you that you think lent itself to that decision? 
Definitely. And, and maybe I should have explained, like, I, I came from a family that I didn't feel loved as a kid at all. You know, I, I grew up in a family with 11 kids. You know, I, I grew up with this idea that like you live your life a certain way or else, and it never resonated with me. I never felt like I ever had a, a adult in my life who understood me, who, who loved me, who wanted me to be myself. I spent a lot of my teens and 20s being enormously depressed. You know, I, I think for most people, I think if you're already struggling with depression and life really takes a bad turn, it just becomes that much more appealing. Yeah, so when you say you were enormously depressed, I can't prove this, but I know a lot of people that listen right now that are hearing this, whenever that is, because these episodes sort of live for a long time, you know, they are depressed. Some yeah. of them are thinking about suicide. What did it look like or feel like for you when you're depressed? Are you the person who's mostly sleeping? Are you the person drinking and drugging? Are you, what, what did it look like? You know, for me as a kid growing up and, and as a young adult, just extremely withdrawn, checked out doing the bare minimum of life and not really even trying to find joy. Mm. I didn't find drugs and alcohol until I was in my late 20s just because I was Mormon. You know, I think it's probably good that I didn't because I think I would have abused them more. As far as what depression looked for, like for me, I think that was it. I think I, I didn't have very many friends. I think I, I didn't know how to find anything valuable in life. I enjoyed art and I've always been kind of a little bit of a, a writer. And I think that's part of where I found some, some degree of solace. You came back from Czech. You're still a pretty young guy. Mm -hmm. You had tried to end your life. It didn't work. I don't know if that's the best way to frame it, but that's the word I'm choosing. Yeah. Come back. What happens then? Do you go back to the Mormon life for a little while? Do you, what do you do? I did like an idiot. I had this girl who loved me a lot and, you know, for her, it was, uh, it was a non-negotiable in retrospect. It was insane, but I, I made it work for her. We got married in the LDS temple and maybe a, a year or two after we'd been married, I think we both decided like, no, like this is, this is a cult. This brings more pain than it brings joy. And uh, we both left together. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you left together, did you stay together? We did for about 10 years. It ended back in um, December last year, COVID. Was COVID part of the problem or the reason? You know, I think, uh, I think my depression was part of, was probably the biggest problem. COVID didn't help. Definitely. My wife started working from home and I think had fewer social outlets besides me and <laughs> I was fucking miserable. It's just, uh, I love her still. I care about her and I want her to be happy, but I think that, um, I think I wasn't somebody who someone would want to live with really. It hurts to say that, but yeah, I think so. Hmm. I think I was just, uh, I was in a lot of pain and it was easy to lash out. I think, um, it wasn't very kind. It's interesting to hear that because you have a sort of kind energy. Now that might sound corny. That's nice of you to say, Sean. <laughs> Yeah, and you might be a total prick, Scott. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I mean, I do a podcast where I give and give, and I can be a total asshole. So this is what we do in life, right? You know, like I, I don't think I am a prick. I think, um, I think it's just it was a dynamic that didn't fit. Like she wanted to help so badly, and the fact is, like you can't, you can't fix that for somebody. You can't bring them out of their own depression. Mm -hmm. I think I ended up resenting her for it. And is all this happening before you left the church in Utah? Is that because that's mostly where it's centered, right? Yep, yep, yeah, that's right. And you guys went out west, more west? That was part of it. I was just like sick of Utah, just sick of it. Um, <laughs> I think it was 2018. I quit my job and we we're just like, no, like tired of waiting. 
going to try something else in life. You know, we came out here without jobs and it was kind of a struggle, but I'm glad I did it. It's hard, but I'm glad I did it. I can't imagine that kind of change, but I'm glad you had somebody to do it with. I am too, you know, yeah. and you know, I, I, owe, I owe a lot to her. You know, she helped me a lot. How many people in the world know about your first attempt? To be honest, like probably, probably my ex-wife. She knows maybe a few of my close friends. I think that there are people who know that I was enormously depressed while I was out there. I think there's not as many who really realize like, yeah, like I was actually actively trying to kill myself, you know? Right. That's not the same as being depressed. Yeah. When you tried, how did you get out of that? That moment? Did you, did somebody find you? Did you get some help? Did you, what happened? It just kind of showed up in a weird way. I don't know if you know much about missions, but you have, you have these people called companions, partners who, who you live with, who follow you around and basically are your buddies for the whole time that you're there doing whatever you're doing. I moved from a city called Brno in the Czech Republic to a city called Liberec. I met this guy, um, it was this German companion who was just, just my best friend, like just like the kindest person I've ever met. He didn't care why I was there, what I was going with. He just wanted to be my friend. I don't know. It just like when I think about it now, it's like, like, goddamn, like I, I haven't talked to him in, in years, but like one of the kindest people I've ever met. And was he there the night you tried? He was there a week after when they started changing things and trying to intervene and giving me meds and talking to a mission psychiatrist and trying to make sure that I stayed there. You know, he was my advocate. Yeah. It is so interesting, right? This person comes in your life and years later, you're thinking about it and you're like, damn, that dude was just a really kind human being and you don't talk to him anymore right you know i mean it's no i don't he's in germany somewhere he's married and has kids and i think as far as i know he's still in the church it's insane how that happens sometimes just people show up in your life when you need them the most Mm -hmm. when you're 20 years old and you 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 try doesn't work the way you intended how do you feel you remember i know it's going back some time because i always wonder you know, there might be some myths around or BS around, you know, look, when people want to die, sometimes when they don't die, they're not thrilled about it. <laughs> you know, it's so hot. Do you remember how you felt? Yeah, it's rough. I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while since I, I recall it, but like, I just angry, just frustrated, just like, I can't even end this. I can't even, I can't even check out. Mm-hmm. You no. Know? And I, I felt that way the same way, actually, this back in February when I tried again just defeated like a failure i guess like like this is such a simple thing like that was february of 2021 yeah was that attempt number two it depends on how you want to define it if you want to call this an attempt or not i was determined i went to a gun shop and i intended to just buy it and load it and shoot myself in the parking lot the only reason i wasn't able to complete the purchase was just the address on my license wasn't current because I had been hopping around from place to place after this wildfire, so I couldn't, I couldn't get it. I remember standing outside the the gun shop, just looking at my feet and being like, "What do I do? What do I do now? I go to work. Do I try to find some other way?" Like, so if not for uh, an incorrect address, do you think you'd be dead right now? It's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say if like if I was looking down that gun barrel, if I had actually been able to get that far in my in my car, just sitting there. I had been able to have the strength to do it. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to. I knew I was. De- I had made my mind up to do it. Let me ask you a question that I'm not supposed to ask, but I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Do you have any? This is super broad and super difficult. I'm sure. Why? Why? Why did you want to die? 
I had just lost my wife. I had just lost my home. It was the worst year of my life. I had just spent two weeks in a behavioral health unit. I was completely alone. I didn't want to keep living. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like there was anything that I wanted to do besides die. So you would ruminate in that you ideate, excuse me, ideate. You would think about it often? Every day, um, all day. Yeah. Which when you're doing that, I would imagine it's kind of inevitable. Really? Yeah. Especially if you're kind of solo, you're writing this thing out mostly alone. Where is that going to lead, right? What did you end up doing that day after you didn't get the gun? I mean, you you had said something about what should I do? Like you did something. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to recall it. I think I just sat in my car for a while. I was homeless at the time and just I looked at my phone and tried to figure out like what's next? Like what are some other options? None of them are as easy. None of them are. No. I think I went to work. What kind of work do you do now? I work in a, a medical laboratory. I, uh, I've done a lot of COVID testing the last, last year, but it's all microbiology. That's the department. Again, I want to ask, just because of the sort of understandable secrecy around these things, does anybody know about that day in February? Now, other than me right now, obviously. My sister knows. I think there's a few people. Mm-hmm. Just a handful. To be honest, I feel like a lot of people don't even really want to hear it. I agree. I mean, I do. But let's just yeah. not bullshit each other, right? Like most yeah. people don't do that. You shouldn't do that. You know, you hear it, right? You don't need to be a genius to hear what people are saying, what they want to hear and what they don't want to hear. Yeah. You want to hear that shit? I, I do. I mean, I'm the weirdo. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think you're just a sympathetic, good-hearted guy. You had said that you were in a something. I don't remember the exact words you used for two weeks, some sort of uh, uh, facility. It was the hospital. They called it the behavioral health unit. So did you um, check yourself in there? No, no, that was, that's fucking dramatic. Um, I bet. Like, how, how did you end up getting there? Like, yeah, what happened there? My life's just started falling apart, just unraveling in January. I was trying to move because I, I didn't want to be in a trailer anymore. And my wife in the process of like me getting this job and planning on moving, was just like, no, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. I'm done. I just started making plans. I was writing a letter. I hadn't finished it, but uh, there was just a, a night, a night in February where um, I got up. I wasn't planning on doing it that night. I was just getting uh, plans, putting things together to move. I get up, look in the other room where my wife is texting and just laughing about something. I just thought like, how on earth could anybody be laughing about this right now? Like, it's just, I said, I said, fuck you. And I slammed the door of the trailer and I left. And she didn't know what was going on. So she did some digging. She found the letter that I'd been working on and called the cops. So I'm at Walmart getting some some bins to pack up some shit. And I look at my phone and I have five calls from her. I call them. I call her. And there's a cop on the other end of the line asking me where the hell I am. Basically just asking me to comply. I tried to de-escalate the situation. I couldn't. I was just like, I don't want to talk to you. There's nothing to talk about. And... Anyway, I just, I told them where I was. Five minutes later, there's three, four cop cars that show up and these cops get out of the, get out of the, their cars. They're all pointing AR-15s at me. What? And I'm serious. Every single one of them. They tell me to get my hands in the air. Oh man, Scott, I'm listening, man. I'm getting pissed off over here, bro. I have my hands in the air. I'm like, what do you want? Like, what do you want from me? They knock the phone out of my hand. They throw me on the ground, handcuff me. 
and throw me in the back of a squad car. Did your wife lie about something? She told them I had a gun. All right. Now it makes a little more sense. They didn't know if you were going to shoot people at Walmart. I mean, I guess. I don't, I have no fucking clue. They didn't explain it to me, but I, I've never owned a gun, never once. So they took me to the hospital and checked me in. And- Such a tricky spot because people can so abuse that, right? I'm not suggesting your wife did, but if she wanted to, she says X and then the people respond and it might be way off and then you get treated like it that. Was, it was insane. It was insane to realize like you say anything to somebody about yep. somebody else's mental health. Yep. Like you can incarcerate them against their will as long as they want. It's insane. And you can imagine all the potential ways to abuse that yeah and it was abuse yeah yeah it sounds like abuse and so you're there for two weeks against your will essentially it sounds like against my will i initially refused care for seven days i didn't eat um i told them fuck off yeah i was just furious i was furious i was like i have no business being here this is my fucking choice like who the hell are you right eventually like yeah what they do Oh, they just kept trying to push meds and uh, try to give me help I didn't want to have. Eventually, on the seventh day, I just woke up and I was just feeling myself because, like, my body was just shrinking because, like, I wasn't eating. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was like, I can, I can either cooperate, I can either do what they ask me to do, and I can get the fuck out of here, or I'll be here for the rest of my life. You think so? They were talking about court committing me what to a, a long-term facility based on the fact that they felt I was suicidal and a threat to myself. Mm-hmm. and I was not complying with treatment. And so in the state of Oregon, and perhaps many other states, when that's happening, we just lock them up longer? Yeah, they can court commit you for against your will for at least six months. Are you having to pay for that as well? I'm still paying for it. I'm still paying the medical bills. It's unbelievable. All right. <laughs> I appreciate the sympathy. It's It was infuriating then. It's it's still something that it upsets me. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, sure. No need, no need to like throw fuel on a fire, but no, it's fine. So February sucked. It sounded like it was the worst year of my life or worst month of my life out of the worst year of my life. Yeah. And, and you were homeless just after that as well. Yeah. Cause I, I had made plans to move up to Eugene with my wife. I didn't have my phone. They wouldn't let me call anyone. I lost my job. They do uh, everything they do with and all the, all the effects of it money job it can only make someone's mental health much worse there's only one thing it could do I feel like you guys are you guys are making everything worse everything and it's just you're a threat to yourself you're not safe we're gonna we're gonna keep you safe until we think you you aren't that's what they right. say and then <laughs> and then when you get out you're totally fucked yes it was worse than before it was in every way worse than before i gotta look at some research on this if it's, if it's out there about you know these sort of short to medium long stays or maybe longer in these facilities and in people's lives after because I've, I just rarely hear good things. I don't know. Maybe I'm just asking those kinds of questions. Well, you know, I think it's one thing if somebody checks into the hospital and says, I really want help. Mm-hmm. But when you take somebody who, who is not compliant, who doesn't want it, like it's just hurting them. Yeah. I but think- then you just, all the stuff around it with money and, and work and isolating people. It just, it, it's just, a t- it doesn't make sense. So this, so what, so what's going on now? So you get out, you're still alive. You're here. It's July. Yeah. So you yeah. know that you, something happened where at least you didn't die. What was going on for the rest of 2021? The rest of 2021. So after the gun failed, the next best option was hanging, like I think of. And to be honest, it's, it's not appealing. 
what was the word you just used? The best next Haney. Haney with the news. Like that was what I could figure out. And I was like, this this is so much worse. This is so much harder. You have to find some place to put it. You have to to find a place where you have that kind of seclusion. You have to wonder, is it gonna work or is this just gonna give me severe brain damage? Like I had the rope in my car and just couldn't couldn't make it happen. Anyway, there was just a I think things just slowly got better. I eventually found an apartment. That was a huge, huge thing for me. Like just not being homeless anymore just made things so much better. I think it was kind of just like the same sort of epiphany that I think I had in the hospital where it's just like, I can either try to pull myself out of this or I can just be as a miserable fuck and just hate my life and just want to die. And I think I just pulled that from out from somewhere in my own, my own self, just the strength to keep trying. I started talking to a psychiatrist and uh, I have a therapist right now. I don't really like meds, but I think the therapy has been helpful. Mm-hmm. No meds? Not right now. To be honest, like, I, I hope this is okay to say, Sean, but like, I started growing my own, um, my own mushrooms, like psychedelics in, in my apartment. Good. And I feel like it's fucking medicine. I feel like I feel so much love. I feel so much love for my life and for the people around me when I use them, when I come off them. And it's just, it's changed things for me. It's wow. really in a way that just antidepressants didn't. I mean, come on, man. I don't know for sure, but I've done them some in my life. It's kind of a no brainer. Like, yeah, you feel, I mean, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. No, of Shouldn't course it's okay to, it's one of, one of the things for better or worse, but for me, it feels like it's better that you can say whatever you want on a podcast outside of, you know, someone giving a really specific way to end your life. Right. And that's the only yeah. thing. I'm if you're giving an exact formula, I would not include that. Cause it's like, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, we're just, if that works for you, that's great, man. You ever, you ever, uh, did you keep that letter? You know, I think I have it here somewhere. I haven't looked at it in a while. I, I do have it. You're in Eugene. You're, you've got an apartment. You've got at least a phone or a laptop or something because you're talking to me. I've got a phone. Yeah. <laughs> have you found it work? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm working um, in another laboratory now. I don't always love it, but it's a, it's a stable job. Have you so. made friends? I have. Uh, I've made a few friends. That was a big deal for me too. Back in April, I just, I found somebody at work and told her kind of about what I was going through. You know, she just showed up for me. Mm-hmm. We're still friends. We still talk all, all the time. That's part of what I mean. I think with things change in pieces, things slowly get better. Uh, recently, I had a talk with a, a woman in Florida, African-American. And one of the things that came up was, and this is, you know, her experience, her words, African-American community for her didn't really show up. It's it, it mental health, broadly speaking, sort of not a thing. Mm-hmm. Don't understand it much. Not much you can do in terms of support. And when you talked about the Mormon community, I got the same sense. Is that fair? I think that's fair. Yeah. So if you're struggling, is that because you're this an issue with god or something around your your faith look think about your life not really engaged faking it and so on maybe i i think mormonism teaches some really hurtful lessons to be honest i think even if you even if you believe it i think i tried to believe it i fucking hated myself really i hated everything about me i think i still struggle with that it's a pretty popular religion yeah i mean, <laughs> what do you think is the draw you know there's a small community here in north carolina Mm-hmm. And they're dedicated, man. I think Mormonism offers some things that are appealing to a lot of people. They sell this idea of family that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. I think you show up to church and I think people feel community there. Some of them. 
100%. Yeah. That's maybe all I can really say. I think that looking back now, it's like it never really appealed to me. It never yeah. felt like something I valued. Yeah. It sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like wrong fit from the start for Scott. Yeah. Definitely. Couldn't admit that to anyone. Yeah. And I mean, for some people, I think it would be a lifetime of trying to undo that. And they maybe never would get there. I mean, so I, I, I applaud you. It's got to be. I just, it's so not my world and I don't need to be in that world to at least, you know, say, Oh, wow, that must be fucking hard. It's you know? a trip. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair way to say it. Right. February, 2022 will be a year. I know I'm going several months in advance here or f- in the future. What is the likelihood that you are alive? I feel like I'm doing okay right now. I feel like it's been bits and pieces, baby steps, but I want to try to be happy in a way that I haven't been in a long time. I'm excited about things. There's nice things about being single. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. Anything, right. For better or worse, um, right? If you've been in a marriage, I imagine that feels liberating. Eventually, you'll be lonely yeah. and talk like me, but it's okay. Hey, enjoy it. Yeah. So there's some nice things about that. I want to explore. I want to find people I think are cool. You know, I don't know where I'll be in February. I think I'd like to travel, but I think right now I'm doing okay. I think yeah. I'm... I'm on the up and up. So, is there a question that I didn't ask that you would want me to ask? No, I I think uh, no. You know, I often ask about myths that people want to call bullshit on. I sometimes talk about or ask about a message you would have for the listeners, whoever they may be. So I'm sort of throwing out those prompts. Is there anything else you want to share with me and obviously whoever's listening in over 80 countries? By the way, just giving a little self promotion. I'm pretty pumped about that. Wow. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, but some people need to hear it. And they're, they're, it goes obviously, trend, it, it goes beyond borders, right? Yeah. But anyway, myths, myths, myths messages, um, whatever else, uh, open stuff. You can go on a rant if you want. I don't think for most people, I don't think most people think, I don't feel like suicide is something that happens because somebody just suddenly feels something acute, like a heart attack, you know, and, and they decide to just go off the walls and blow their brains out. I, I think that the people who struggle with this, the people who really get that far, they are fighting a battle every day. Yeah. We don't see that. Most of us don't see it. The battle, the struggle, the fight. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're right. I agree. I'm 100%. And, and for me, the, one of the reasons why it upsets me is in the not seeing the struggle makes the struggle that much harder. Yes. So it feeds on itself. You're already struggling and it, and it ends up being, and then you can't, we don't give credit. Well, I don't know if that's the right word. We don't say, hey, you know, hey, you're going through this thing. You're you're ideating, for example. And boy, good for you for just getting up. You made your bed. And it sounds condescending, but I don't mean it that way. Like, no. You got up. You chose to live. I don't, you know, if you've heard the podcast, I don't have a problem with someone choosing to end their life. That's a choice I believe people have. I hope it's not necessarily impulsive because they might, you know, they might, it might be a moment. But most of the time, yeah. it's not. It's years of struggle. And that's a tough fight, man. That's just, I don't know. I, our society gets it kind of weird. I have no problem with giving a lot of credit for people who are, you know, hey, like training for a marathon and that's awesome and great and write a book and go coach someone. You're the man. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. But it just seems a little backwards. Like, you don't think Scott's struggle is, is as admirable? Fuck you. I do. Thank you. Yeah. I, I like how you put that. Yeah. I really like that. Fuck you, I do. That's my uh, tagline. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got wordy there, but I think you're, the, the, the myth you're pointing out is spot on. 
every day, all day around around us, and we're not going to probably know about it. It's just that person that you see at Trader Joe's. It's going up, going about their day, get buying some food because it's just that you got to do stuff during the day, and they're thinking about it. Yeah. So. When I keep that in mind, it just I feel a lot of compassion for people. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was going to say like if somebody's listening and like. I guess you just you just sort of answered the question before I asked it. It's like, yeah, knowing that, knowing that, I guess it's inevitable or hopeful that you'd have a little more compassion for people and that would show up or present in a way where they would feel that should your paths cross. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Scott, man, I hope, yeah, I, I hope things continue to get better. Of course, I want that for you. And I really do appreciate you finding the time to share and talk so openly because I, I do, I believe strongly that very much so. And I do get some people telling me this, you know, via email or message or whatever, those stories help me. And now you're one of them. So thank you. Thank you. Like I've, I've listened to this since March and I've just, I haven't showed up until now because I felt like I didn't have a good story to say. I, I you know, besides I'm, I'm fucking suicidal, you know? Right. Yeah. But I do want people to know like life can get better way you feel right now doesn't have to be the way you feel forever man like you're doing a good thing john like this really helped me i'm glad to hear that man yeah yeah i am and it can it can get better there's no guarantees let's not bullshit anybody right but no of course not better it can get better it can and so yeah and hey you know what if these uh podcast episodes in some way help someone a little bit to nudge them a bit in that direction well shit that's a good day for me man same here keep doing what you're doing scott and uh i i, I wish all good things for you man you too sean nice as always thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to scott out in oregon thank you scott if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story i'd love to talk please reach out Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. And a friendly reminder, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, subscribe. It really helps people find this podcast. And there are people that need to find it. Thank you for that. That is all for episode number 69. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.